Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. I, you know, Waymaker has always been a, a very special song to me uh, because it affirms the person of God, isn't it? In light in darkness. I always affirm who God is. And because of who He is, we give Him praise. And I hope that whenever a worship, you know, goes towards the end, we applause, we are clapping because we are affirming. We are affirming the heavenly worship. Yeah, we are affirming the heavenly worship. And this is in part um, my sermon for this morning as we look into Isaiah 6 for us. And so today we're going to look at this passage where Prophet Isaiah had the privilege of encountering the glory of God. And hearing what I titled for this sermon, the Seraphim Song, the Worship of Divine Angels. Now the passage of Isaiah 6 has always captivated me on the topic of not just worship, but a heavenly encounter with a holy God that changed his life. And so I pray that it will be an inspiration of what it means for us today as worshippers to encounter God. I'm going to begin by reading Isaiah 6. Uh, and uh, can I suggest all of us reading together, okay, this eight verses, just this short eight verses together. Okay, ready? One, two, three. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and on the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the door posts and the trash holes shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Now the big idea for us today, this morning, is simply this. To consider from Isaiah 6. Encountering God leads to spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation from confession to commitment in Christ. Spiritual transformation from confession to commitment in Christ. Now the short context of Isaiah 6 is found in the person of King 
Hosea, who despite bringing peace, was not perfect and transgressed against God's law. Now, Second Chronicles 26 records how King Hosea brought peace and security to Judah. He was considered a good God, a good king. Good God, my God. Good king. But by the end of his reign, he became prideful and transgressed God's law by attempting to offer incense in the temple himself, something that only the Levite priests were authorized to do. Now, King Hosea was inflicted with leprosy until the day he died. Now, Isaiah 6 is set in this context. After Hosea's death and during a time of political transition, and a rebellious nation of God, where from Isaiah chapter 1 to 5 records God's judgment upon Judah and Jerusalem. And it's going to be delivered through Isaiah. Now at this point, Isaiah was found in the temple. Perhaps in grief of the king's passing, perhaps in lament of God's judgment. Will God provide another king? Would he be a good one? Will God redeem his people with a rebellious heart? It was then that Isaiah receives a vision of God himself sitting on a throne. Now Isaiah wouldn't be the only one who had similar divine encounter. Ezekiel had the same vision of God on his throne, surrounded by angelic beings in Ezekiel chapter 1. Moses had a vision of the burning bush, a bush that is not consumed by fire in Exodus 3. And God spoke to him from the midst of it. Apostle Paul encountered the risen Christ on his way to Damascus. And all of the above and some, the encounters moved them out of doubt and fear into worship and mission. And into this passage, we see Isaiah transform from a disposition of fear and unworthiness, as we read in the passage together just now, to become a willing servant of God, from confession to commitment. It is a movement. And so allow me to share these three points out of my reflection of Isaiah's encountering the glory of God as a worshipper. And I just labeled them ABC. ABC of true worship attributing absolute worth, beholding God's glory and celebrating the transformation power of God. Worship is, about, is the act of attributing absolute worth. In the passage, Isaiah saw a vision of the holiness of God, which is a sight that leaves him completely unworthy and exposed. He saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the entire temple. He saw the seraphim surrounding the throne, and they were calling out to one another as if they were affirming the heavenly truth to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full. Of his glory. Now, the seraphim song is an acknowledgement of the absolute worth of God 
and His holiness, emphasizing for us through the repetition of the word holy, which means set apart or other light in the statement, He is none other. Yeah, He is none other. He is holy. Our God is unlike another, even the seraphim that had been described for us. He is indescribable. And the only description of God is repeated in this threefold formula. Holy, 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 which suggests for us that God's worth exceeds any human description. Also suggests for us the absolute moral distance and purity between God and all creation, including the divine angels, including men. God is truly set apart. He is set apart in His person, in His purpose, in His power. And when we say that God is good, all the time, all the time God is good, God is not just very good. God is wholly good. He is the source and standard of goodness. It is the same when we say just or merciful or compassionate. He's not just very just, very merciful. He's wholly just, wholly merciful, wholly compassionate. And because God is holy and is perfect, He does not change. He has no reason to change. He is unchanging. That is our understanding of the doctrine of God's uh, immune, what is that? Immutability, right? God is unchanging. There is no way to reach God or understand Him fully that His love does not change. He does not flip-flop in His justice. He is wholly merciful. Yes, there's no way to understand Him fully, but the vision serves to remind God's people and the original context, and for us today as well, that God's holiness is a matter of great spiritual significance. And when we encounter God in His glory, we cannot help cannot help but to attribute all worth and honour to Him. John Piper puts it better than me, and I quote, that the holiness of God is His infinite value and worthiness of all glory and honour and power and praise and obedience. Therefore, my friends, true worship begins when we stand in the presence of God and acknowledge His Absolute worth. Absolute. We declare through our singing together that He is above all else in our lives. Above any standard of truth, goodness and beauty that we might be holding on to in the world today. We are affirming like the seraphim song that nothing can compare to Him and that our highest praise and our devotion belongs to Him alone. Now, it goes beyond just singing and attending services. We know worship as well as a lifestyle. It has to affect our life. It is a lifestyle that should be on display. God's absolute worth. 
on display in our lives as we glorify Him and honor the Holy God that He is in every aspect of our lives. I remember I was once questioned why I was leading worship. It happened on a typical Sunday, years back in Wesley. Uh, because when I was leading worship, you know, I, I, I wasn't like Elliot, you know, when he was singing, I'm trading my sorrow. You know, he was, he looked so joyous. I, I think I looked different. <laughs> I was, I think I looked distraught. I looked stressed. And so the, 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 just that concept, I just, why are you still leading? I just shared, I had a bad week. And I was still wrestling with God, you know, on some issues. Then the concerned members asked, you know, then why do you still have to lead worship? I said as plainly as I could, God still deserves my worship. God still deserves my worship, whether it is thanksgiving or lament, because He is worthy. He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is what we are proclaiming. When we sing the song, blessed be your name, right? He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. He gives and takes away. But still, blessed be your name. God is still God. Whether our world is shaken or our ship sinking attributing absolute worth to God because of who He is. Utterly holy, utterly worthy. Then as Isaiah was being utterly awed by the heavenly vision of God's holiness, he was moved to behold the glory of God. Isaiah's encounter led him to worship as he beholds God's glory. And as Isaiah behold God in worship, spiritual transformation takes place. I like how Richard Foster puts it. Worship changes the worshipper into the image of the one worship. Worship changes. Spiritual transformation is taking place. If worshipping a holy God doesn't compel and overwhelm us in our spiritual state into a greater surrendering, then my friends, it is not worship. We are just taking attendance. We are literally not allowing God to do His work of transforming us into His likeness. And in this passage that we observe, Isaiah's immediate response as he beholds the glory of God in worship is this, he repented. Spiritual transfer. He repented of his own sinfulness. And he was being restored. Woe to me, Isaiah cried, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Beholding God's glory reminded Isaiah of his own sinfulness and unworthiness. We become acutely aware of how far we have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans, and how much we need God's grace in our lives. This humility and awe that, 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 
that is taking place, that spiritual transformation leads us to a place of surrender, where we acknowledge our complete dependence on God, on His grace, on His love in our lives. And repentance, my friends, is fundamental in our worship to God. I read a quote before that reads, we cannot worship God without weeping over our sin. Repentance is not an option. It is not optional. As Isaiah repented before the Lord, he was being restored. His guilt taken away and his sin atoned for. Isaiah experienced transformation and as his emotions of guilt was lifted. An assurance of salvation given and his sins being atoned for. Now, founder John Wesley, we just went through all this gate weekend. Yeah. Our founder John Wesley had a similar experience, a strangely warm experience when he stumbled upon a small group meeting studying the letter to Romans. He was a spiritual giant, a religious leader, but he needed it. He was searching for it. And God, by His grace, provided it. I did felt, I felt I did trust in God, in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given to me that He had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and of death. My friends, we have a more powerful advocate within us. More powerful than the seraphim that was encircling the throne of God. We have the Holy Spirit. As we behold the glory of God as worshippers, the Holy Spirit within us is working. Assuring us that we are children of God. I know some of us sometimes struggle with the question of how can I be absolutely sure, 100% that God has saved me. Now, it is important to know that we are saved by grace through faith. And that means trusting in God in whom we cannot see with our natural eyes. However, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Apostle Paul reminds his readers in Romans 8, 16 that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Spiritual transformation with our spirit that we are children of God. That means the Holy Spirit can rest our doubts, brings rest and peace to our soul. That means the Holy Spirit, through the completed work of Christ on the cross, is restoring you to God and into His presence, taking away your guilt and your sins atoned for. Spiritual transformation is happening as we encounter God as worshippers, being found in a posture of repentance as we allow God's restoration. And this is our discipleship when it comes to beholding the glory of God, especially in corporate worship, to find ourselves in the right posture before a holy God who has revealed Himself to us through His Word and through His works. Now, we gather 10 minutes, if you did not know, uh, at every of our prayer and praise service. We gather 10 minutes before service 
And a service leader will come up here to prepare us to worship God, to encounter God by devotion. Sometimes a simple sharing of God's word. Sometimes a reflection of God's faithfulness. All the same to prepare us to encounter God. And as we encounter God in worship, allowing spiritual transformation, allowing the Holy Spirit to work, we become more aware of His holiness, our sinfulness, and our need for His grace as God's Word renew our mind and allowing the Spirit of God to restore us. This awareness leads us to a place of surrender and of a deeper trust in Him. Another opportunity in our discipleship of worship and encountering God is to sign up for our Strangely Warm Retreat coming up in September. Later on, we are going to uh, tell you more about it during our highlights, but you know, this year's retreat is drawing near, drawing near to God. And what we hope for our Wesleyans is to draw near to God to have an encounter with Him to have encounter with Him through the ministry of worship, through solitude time, unhurried time, and through authentic fellowship, to behold the glory of God together. I want to quote from a past participant of this retreat. And she said, I did not expect the Holy Spirit to move so powerfully, so personally, from beginning to the end in our community and individually. It would be wonderful if every Wesleyan could go to such a retreat and with an open heart. I strongly encourage every leader serving in any leadership capacity to go first. You know who you are. To draw near to God and behold the glory of God together. September, strangely warm retreat. Lastly, worship is about celebrating the transformational power of God. Worship leads to transformation. And in our transformation, we praise and we worship Him for what He is doing in our lives. Amen? But my friends, worship involves our response as well. It is not just in worship, it's not just in worship that we celebrate, that we praise, that we give thanks. It cannot just stop at worship. It cannot just stop at the end of the service or a retreat or a Bible study session. We are being transformed to be God's kingdom people with a mission to be sent out into the world to bless and to carry that gospel message. The purification of Isaiah's lips for his impending ministry as God's prophet and his transformation leads him to respond to God. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. We too, my friends, must respond to God's call and submit to His will in our lives. A.W. Tozer puts it beautifully for us as worshippers that the worshipper does not seek to express himself 
any longer. He sits, he seeks to express God. His message is not a personality, but a person. And the person, my friends, is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. As God's people, we seek to express God's glory that has been revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ. All the more today as we come before the table that invites all to the body and blood of Christ that has been shed for us. Isaiah's encounter leads him to a place of transformation from confession to commitment where he willingly offers himself to be God's messenger to his people even when it was difficult, even when it was uncertain. In worship, we celebrate who God is. We do. We celebrate the change in us that comes when we encounter the living God through our worship. We see this transformational power at work in our lives through Jesus' redemptive work on the cross, through the Spirit's restorative work within us. And as we celebrate that transformation work, we celebrate in response as well to being God's gospel messenger to the world. And so even as we contemplate upon Isaiah's encounter for what it means for us today, allow me to just share quickly three applications for us as we continue to grow intentionally as disciples of Christ. Let us continue to cultivate holiness in our lives. As we encounter God in His holiness, it must spur us to cultivate a lifestyle of worship that reflects His character. No, we are not perfect. But that doesn't mean the Spirit is not transforming us from within to do His will and to, dis- and to put Christ on display through our lives. We do this, my friends, by persevering in our spiritual disciplines of getting to know God more through the reading of His Word, meditating in it, or developing habits of preparation, like coming early, 10 minutes before, and joining us, perhaps, to prepare ourselves to encounter God. Or by signing up for Strangely Warm Retreat. Okay, okay, I'll stop you. We can actively seek His We can actively seek to reflect His holy love for us. We can actively seek to live out our salvation in worship and in celebration of God's work in our lives. Second, choose humility as our posture of worship. I remember when I was a youth, um, it was my first, one of my first time that I attended worship officially in a worship hall and I was you know, I was just standing there comfortably worshipping God. And then suddenly my man beside me, I was a baby boy back then, and suddenly, stand properly. Why? I'm worshipping God. I am. No, you're not. No, yes, I am. I'm worshipping God. 
our posture tells very, very much. And I am guilty of that. Our posture tells very much of where we are in worship. Choose humility as our posture in worship. Prepare your hearts to come before a holy God as we come into His house. We must choose to acknowledge our unworthiness before God and to embrace humility as a means to experience spiritual transformation. For true humility and brokenness, God is delighted. Yeah, God delights in a contrite heart and spirit. And we can experience God's grace and love through repentance as we allow Him to restore us. Lastly, commissioned to be witnesses. Worship cannot just end in praise. It ends with our response as well. Like Isaiah, our spiritual transformation involves our response to God's work. And indeed, Jesus has commissioned us to be His witnesses to a world in need of His love and His grace. Matthew 28, Jesus came to His disciples and said, Our authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We are His hands and His feet, sharing the good news of salvation with those around us. And as we commit our lives in service to God, we can become agent then of transformation to the world around us. Dietrich Benhofer puts it this way, that the community of the Christian cannot or does not exist for itself, but must serve the world, be concerned for its welfare, and seek to win it for Christ and seek to win it for Christ. Today, as we approach the Lord's table and through our worship, may we encounter God in His fullness as we consider our posture before Him as worshippers. May we be found attributing absolute worth because of who He is and be found beholding, my friends, His glory and His beauty so that as a faith community, that celebrates God's power in our lives whenever we gather in prayer and in praise. We seek to respond as well, to be Christ's witnesses to the world. Let us pray. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. 
The whole earth is full of His glory. O oh Lord, as Your heavenly worship continues to ring, may we experience what Isaiah had in his encounter with You. May we experience a vision of what it means to encounter our living God, who sits on a throne and calls us because of His great love for us. May we experience, O oh Lord, that supernatural transformation, that shift in our hearts and in our minds every time we come into your presence. Because in your presence, there is renewal, there is restoration. Your spirit is moving. As we allow your spirit to have your way in us. May we encounter you to become more like Christ and in fulfilling his purposes in the world as we are called to be witnesses and ambassadors of God's love and reconciliation. Oh Lord, may our worship, our adoration always be found selfless like your Son Jesus Christ. Our hearts open to your love and our wills surrendered by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.